Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Live Model Ministries presents Gratitude Unfiltered, broadcast live on the Live Model Worldwide Multimedia Broadcast Network. If you're watching on social media, thank you so much for being here. For being here, God bless you. You guys are in for a treat today. We have JP and Veronica, Minnesota Hope Dealers. excited because having people in person uh, for me is what it's all about and uh, just extremely grateful for all of you guys watching uh, or listening on the podcast, listening on the radio, social media, or of course the Live Mono Worldwide Multimedia Broadcast Network. Um, so I've had the privilege of getting to know JP and Veronica over the last, golly, has it been a month already? <laughs> We've been out and, and got introduced in the best kind of way out in the streets serving um, and, and spreading the good news and, and just and then fellowshipping with the people of Minnesota. And it's been absolutely fantastic. And of course, getting to go worship with them at the Life Center uh, in downtown Minneapolis has been a treat. But you guys, their story is incredible and what God's done in their life and what they are doing now to impact the kingdom is truly, 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 truly inspiring. So with that said, first things first, what are you guys grateful for today? Life. I'm grateful for life. What about you, JB? Um, I'm grateful that God saved me from the, the life that I was living. You know, um, and gave me the ability to 
keep my mind throughout the, the mess to uh, you know do my best to, to serve God to serve. So you came from a life. You're from Chicago, right? Yeah, we're both from Chicago. You're both from Chicago. <laughs> oh wow, Rush. I'm from Chicago. That's it. What? So where? How did you get into the life that you were in? You get you gangbanging, right? Yeah, pretty much. But well, we was more of uh, on our side of town, the west side, west side. Uh, we uh, mostly was hustlers. So you know, we I grew up. I started hustling at a young age, probably around between thirteen and fifteen. So it was more of a more of a hustle, but the the, the gang activity was included in that. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. So how, when you're a child, what dreams did you have, or was this the kind of like where you planned on going? Was into that life? Um, it was. We didn't have that. You know, we grew up poor. So you know, you know, we had holes in our shoes and our shirts and. We played basketball and we seen these people with money ride past. You know, we it's not too many heroes in the hood, you know, too many role models. So we uh we looked at our shoes and looked at theirs and you know what I mean, they had twenty pairs of shoes. Every time we see them, they got these different shoes. We got holes in our shoes playing ball. And um just you know, it was just something we, we kept seeing them and you know, they'd give us money or something like that, and we just wanted, you know, uh we wanted to be like that. You know, I mean, we wanted to be uh, not part of the have-nots. You know, what I mean, we wanted to be a part of uh, the people that that had something. We, yeah, we wanted to be something. Yeah, we just didn't know how that looked like in our minds. Was did you look at that life as a, the way out or the life that you wanted to live? I don't, I, I don't even think I took that far of a thought into it. You know, what I mean, I just didn't. I was just, you know, just had to be broke. You know, I just was tired of uh, the life that we was living. Yeah. You know, and I just wanted something better, and that's what it looked like for us. Ronnie, what about you? What was your childhood like? Yeah. Fabulous. Um, my mother was a, a teen mom. She had me when she's 13 years old. I grew up on the um, the south side of Chicago. And a lot like what he was saying, um, there really weren't heroes. Or we were. There weren't really people you could look up to and say, hey, I want to be like this person. So in my mind, I just wanted to be the best with what I had. So if I was going to be in the hood, I wanted to be the best in the hood. And that meant hustling the hardest, you know, and rolling with the baddest people, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, hey, if you can't beat them, join them kind of mentality that I had growing up. You didn't see anything outside of what we grew up around. Yeah. You know, we didn't have any inspiration. I, every time I meet somebody that, especially a woman who says they grew up without a father being present, I think about my daughter. I have two twins that I gave up for adoption because well, I had no business being a father. Um, but my oldest daughter, who got to experience both myself and her mom uh, battle a drug addiction in the worst kind of way, and and I think about not being present there for her and the consequences of that for her. What was it like for you, like? Growing up without a father, like how did how did that impact your life the most? I didn't know what a man's love was like. I didn't know what role a man should play in your life. Yeah. So growing up as a young girl to a teenage to a woman, that's the love that I was looking for. And so therefore I was loved improperly. I suffered from domestic abuse because you don't know what you should or should not be accepting of a man. 
You know, I didn't have any uncles, cousins, no males, nowhere. You know what I mean? My only role model as a man was my great grandfather. He passed away when I was 11. So before I even entered my teen life and, you know, that space where girls start feeling themselves and, you know, wondering about life and men, nobody was there to guide me. So I kind of learned about men through trial and error and watching mother, my mother's bad relationships and other family members' bad, unhealthy relationships, you know? Let me, I want to ask you something because I've been open about this and as embarrassing as it is to say, I went from being abused to being the abuser. Right. For a woman yes. that's in a an abusive relationship, what is the mindset for a woman that stays? Can you speak to that? I sure can. She is, she goes through different phases. So you know, at first she she probably stays because that's where she feel love. She felt for me, I felt like that was the only person I could depend on. If I needed something, I wanted something. I didn't have a mom or a mom was alive, but I didn't have anybody to depend on. Yeah. Especially having a man, they was like, "Well, go ask him. You're grown. You sleep with him. You should." So a woman feels like that's her safety net, even though he's hurting her. And then the woman becomes angry because she's getting abused. Mm -hmm. You know, so yes, she goes out and takes that out on other people. You know, because I became an angry person and I always want to fight with other women and things like that sure. because I was unhappy and I was upset. Um, I turned to alcohol. I drank a lot. You know, I have four DUIs. When did you start? I started drinking when I was 15. Yeah. What was your first drink? Oh, uh, I think it was some wild Irish rose. <laughs> <laughs> mine was schnapps and that dog points. Oh, my head just started hurting again. Thinking about that dog and trying to hide the hangover. Oh mercy! Oh my God, it was horrible. It was horrible, but it was it was my happy place, you know. It was like, and, and I coped because this is what I saw. My family drank, you know, and it was just like a coping mechanism. So some women who going through abuse, when you already drink every day, you're not even thinking about your life in a full picture. You just coping day by day by day. You drink to suppress whatever it is you're feeling. So you really don't feel the things or think about the things you should really be thinking about. Yeah. You're not sober. Right. You know what I mean? You, you, you don't have a sober thought. So this is just normal life. You're just living without consciously living. That's You know, that's powerful because I remember waking up several mornings going after the aftermath of whether it was going to jail or it was uh, just a, a Brawl that we had had, um, and, and really, it was my last last relationship before I gave my life to Christ. It was the one that I speak of. But I remember, like, I have to leave. I got to get out of here. I'm having that conversation with myself. But then, by three o'clock, four o'clock, I'm drinking. Oh, she'll change. Yeah. We'll make this work. We can get. And then I would start basically drinking away my discernment. So did you get into drugs at all? Yeah, I used to pop ecstasy, smoke weed, um, that type of thing. And I did it for a long time. I'm freshly saved. Like, I got saved as a child, but I didn't know what that was about. Sure. You know what I mean? So I just got saved here back in 2017. Okay. So. Golly. Right. You're like making moves in the kingdom. That's God. That's not me. That's him. <laughs> I saw. I think you're not. I saw I saw you on stage at church on Sunday and I was like, 
what? <laughs> like, you were like, it was fine. Like, I thought you'd been doing this for 20 years. Oh, no, it's just God, the Holy Spirit. And I'm just so grateful, like I said, for life because I've been in so many closets, basements, cars, afraid of my life, like feeling like I was about to die yeah. from my abusers. You know what I mean? Like, I'm, I'm, I'm praying so many times, like, God, just please help me. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, I'm grateful just to be alive because I was this close to death so many times. Yeah. So JP, for you, what was the turning point for you where you finally said, I've had enough of this life? Well, it was uh it was kind of hard, it was kind of rough for me. Um, because I was at, at one point I was just trying to stay clean. So, you know what I mean? Uh, I think I spoke on this before, and that was not all that I had to do, you know, mm-hmm. because I was clean and sober, I still had the street mentality. I still had the life with the hustle inside me. Because when I was so, I couldn't string together in six months, you know, I feel like that because of uh, my bright ideas. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, you know what I mean? I'm like, okay, yeah, since I'm sober, I can sail and get all the way. You know what yeah. I'm saying? So I had to, um, I had to humble myself. You know, I had to, and, and this is when I got saved. She's. Uh, Newly in the kingdom, I'm probably a newborn then because I, I think I, I think I got baptized last year, 2019. Um, so a lot of stuff that that's been going on is, of course, was the grace of God. But um, I, I I needed something else, you know what I mean? I, I was going through treatment at NA, and that didn't sustain my sobriety or sustain what I was trying to do or what God was calling me to do. So uh, I was going to uh, the treatment center across the street from the church. And I think I need some church. You go to church. And I, I started going to church. There. Yeah. Life center. center. Yes. Right across the street. Yeah. Wow. To the life center. And, uh, and I was going there. And, you know, it, I was missing something. I, yeah. You know, I was missing. Even though I'm clean and sober, I'm doing everything I'm supposed to do. You know, and things, things was happening good in my life. You know what I mean? At the time. But I just didn't stay sober because every time I wanted to. I'm a, a opportunist, mm-hmm. and every time some opportunity popped up, you know, it was already instilled in me to go for it, you know what I mean, no matter what I was trying to do, you know, because I always justify that in my mind. So I needed something. I really wanted to change. This is, I think this is what you're asking. I really wanted to change at that point. So that's when I um, realized that I needed to give my life over to Christ. I want to ask... How, first of all, how did you guys meet? It's hurts. <laughs> so is is it a thing in Minnesota for people from Chicago to move here? I've met more people from Chicago here than I have in Yeah, Chicago. in Chicago. I know. Uh, I said the same thing. But I don't I don't know it. You know what I mean? I, I don't you know, I, I love Chicago because I I wanted better for myself. You know, I was I was kind of already in a pre contemplation stage of uh, of of trying to better myself. Or to get better, and that's the reason why I left because the streets. I was so uh, far deep in the streets that anything I tried to do, you know what I mean, that's outside of that, I kept going back. Oh, um, yeah, people reminding you of your. No, not people reminding me of my past. No, I kept going back. That's right. Didn't happen. I kept going back. You know what I mean? It's just like no matter what good was happening in my life, I always circled back to where I was. You know what I mean? Because that's. That was my comfort zone. That's what I knew. I was pre-programmed to be that way. Yeah. And a lot of a lot of unlearning and relearning stuff had to had to go about 
And that's it, you know, and that's when I realized that, uh, you know, I had to have God in my life. Mm. And, um, and I got, I, I do a lot of drugs away, <laughs> you know, it's like a commitment to myself because I, I just didn't, this is, I just, you know, God was talking to me, this is not the way I was supposed to go. So I either had to pick one side or the other, mm. you know what I mean? And that's when I decided to make that commitment to God. When, when I was in my addiction, I can't tell you how many times that I flushed drugs, mm -hmm. sex toys, like everything going, okay, I'm done with this life. Right. Three days later, I was doing it again, buying the same stuff I threw away. Yeah, yeah. And I, I mean, it's, that was one of the toughest mm -hmm. battles, but it was, I had to learn how to like retrain my triggers. Yeah. Exactly. Because I was surrounded, like, because everywhere I went, mm -hmm. I was a deviant. Like, I traveled, and it didn't matter if it was a small town that no one ever heard of, I was a deviant, or it didn't matter if it was the biggest city in the country, like, I was a deviant. I had all of these little spots. I literally had to, one, isolate for about a year. Mm -hmm. And then after that, I had to go retrain those triggers. I had to go back to those spots. Mm -hmm. And they're normal spots. Right. Like, I can drive down Sunset Boulevard right. and it was like a taco stand. Like, oh, it's a trigger. <laughs> like, I got meth there once. Right. Like, hey, my right. phone got delivered to me there. Freaking tacos. You were talking about tacos. And it was a trigger. But I had to do that because I realized I couldn't hide in the places that God was calling me to go. Well, I had to go face my demons, face right. first, right. and go slay them one by one, right. and I'm still slaying. Yes, you know, right. yeah, that's what I did because I um, I took like three years into uh, uh, bettering myself, you mm -hmm. know, as far as like uh, uh, with addiction and stuff like yeah. that. And I didn't want to go back to Chicago until I'm I feel comfortable with myself going. So I think we recently went back. Well, I recently went back before we went. And I was, you know, comfortable with that because now, just like how you said, I had to go slay that demon. Mm -hmm. You know, because the streets. Every time I was explaining to you, every time I did something good, I ended up back in the streets. And then, like you said, it didn't matter where I was at. It didn't matter what street it was. You know what I'm saying? And that's <laughs> what I had to realize that it wasn't Chicago; it was any street. Yeah. Because I got up here and did the same thing. You know what I mean? I went to New Jersey and did the same thing. I went to, you know, different places and stuff north. You know, North, North uh, uh, Minnesota did the same exact thing. And that was a demon, too. The same way I looked at the title, the same way you looked at the title, the same way I looked at it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? But, but somewhere in there, my perspective shifted. You know what I mean? Uh, when, I, when I was working on better myself and, you know, uh, uh, doing stuff for the church and, you know, being involved with the church and, and things like that. During that time of me unlearning and relearning things, my, my perception changed. You know? I want you guys, I want to go back to Chicago really quick. I had the privilege of uh, emceeing an event called The Power of We at, I forgot the name of the building, it's old historic building in Chicago. Um, one of the best experiences of my life, but part of that event was they brought in kids from the inner city that go to school. And I heard the stories, two things that stuck out to me. One, being bussed in at 4 a.m., not getting home till midnight because they rely on the which for a kid, I can't even imagine. Right. That's what it takes to go to school. I wouldn't go to school. Right. I didn't, I'd go to school anyway. As sure as I didn't pay attention. Right. And it, I could like skip to school. You know what I mean? Right. Like it was convenient. It was in the suburbs. Mm -hmm. But the other thing that I heard from some of the youth that 
really left an impact on me, and that's why we started our youth ministry, Voices for the Voices, is where I first had the vision for it, and was that these kids, when they walk out, when they express they want to be a teacher, they want to be a cop, they want to be a pastor, they want to be a, a lawyer, they have people in their own community, in their own families, saying, who do you think you are? Do you think you're better than us? Can you, did you guys ever experience anything like that? No, I can't, I can't say that I did. No, but I, I know people that have, you know, um, I think where that comes from is their parents. Mm-hmm. You know, their parents didn't have anyone pouring into them, speaking into them, because I, I know people who family spoke negatively to them and just kind of came okay with the way that they were living and didn't encourage them to do anything better. But that's what they learned from their parents. And that's what their parents taught them. You know, it's a, it's a vicious cycle. It's like a generational thing. Yeah, it's a generational curse. Amen. Yeah. Yeah, I, I moving here, I've, I've been able, in, since we, we moved downtown and, and being in serving in the community here, we've heard a lot about the generational curses in northern Minneapolis, where Life Center is now put up a church. And I really believe with all my heart the work that I'm seeing up front, everything from what you guys are doing with Hope Dealers, you know, what we're doing, what Life Center is doing, what River Valley Church is doing. There is like people that are are, are, are is, I don't even think motivated is the right word. It's like they're now has become part of their life's purpose yes. to break those generational yes. curses and, and free people from <laughs> this. I can't think of a better word, but it, it's a it's a form of slavery. Bondage. Yeah. It's, it, it, Bondage. It's, and it's maybe like what is a worse what is a worse form of slavery than the one that you put on yourself that says you can't amount to anything and the one that says you have no hope? Like, I believe that that's changing. I think, and I can't, I can, again, I only speak, I felt after the George Floyd riots, I was like, I, this is, I'm staying. Like, I knew I was staying after that. But it impacted everyone a little bit different. And from my perspective, I looked at it as, one, I can't speak to any of this because I haven't experienced it. I've been in jail six times, but other than the cops making fun of me for, and taking pictures of me because of the way I looked when they caught me one time, um, I haven't really dealt with racism. I haven't dealt with discrimination. I haven't dealt with police brutality. In fact, I probably had, you know, I probably got away with a lot more because I was white. Right. It's just a fact. Right. Like, I'm not, I don't carry white guilt, but that's a fact. Right. Like, I know this. Right. But I, after getting to hear from different people that, that are African-American, that grew up in the city, that dealt with police, and going back to one of my high school friends, hearing his stories, he's the nicest guy I know, and hearing how he gets harassed by the police, it broke my heart. How did George, the, what did the, first of all, the event, I want both of you to speak to this, the event of the George Floyd death, and then the aftermath. Can you both speak to that? Mm-hmm. For me, I was disgusted. Um, the thing is, though, since I am black and I grew up in the inner city, it's nothing new. I've seen it, you know, and it's not that I'm desensitized by it. It was just to actually see it with my own two eyes right in front of me, him take his last breath. It was devastating. I have a son, you know, I date a, a black man, you know what I mean? So it was, it was really hurtful to me and it was devastating. 
And it just made something in me rise up and want to be a voice, you know, want to help people, period. You know, this has been going on. It's just the world got exposed to it. This is something that we couldn't hide at this point that's been hidden. It's been swept up under rug. Racism has always been here. And it's sad to say that it's probably always going to be here. But now it was just in front of everybody's faces. Really, mm -hmm. that's just how it looked to me. Um, and so what it did for me is it just helped me to be grateful that it was not my family member, but it wanted to help me protect other people. So helping black people, all people understand where our strength comes from, the Lord, and helping people to understand that they're not going to get away with this. No matter how it looks to our eyes, God is going to take care of this. He's going to handle it. And so we need to be strong and we need to stand firm. You know what I mean? So it, it just struck that fire in me. That's why it's like, go time. Like that. That <laughs> it's time to go, you know what I mean, and that's just how I feel now. And it's like that's why I have a voice, and I use it for the voiceless, I use it for the George Floyds or the underprivileged people, you know what I mean. I use it for everybody. I'm not racist, I see us as people. I know in heaven, it's all of us, all races, all ethnicities, and that's the, the culture that I live by, you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, so that. that, that's what I got from it. What about you, JP? Well, it, uh, just like she said, it, it just showed us we are a unit. This is something we have, we've been dealing with uh, forever, you know. And um, it's as me as a as a black man, it was it was something that I'm happy that people got a chance to see. And I'm, you know, said not in that circumstance. I wish that that wasn't the circumstance. Yeah, but that gave people a visual of what. Uh, black people actually go through, mm -hmm. you know what I mean, and and I think a lot of people, most people probably sweep it on the rug. Most people don't, you know. And most people uh, say, "Well, you didn't see the tape beforehand," but at least it got exposed, you know, to to other people, because I think this world is shifting, you know, mm -hmm. and because it's 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 getting bigger than race, you know, it's getting bigger than money. You know, and I think that's God's, that's God's work. You know what I mean? And it's, it's getting bigger. It's, it's a bigger picture somewhere. And people starting to realize that, that everything in the media is not what they see or, you know, the, the, the way they portray people or the way people are portrayed in media is not actually uh, how they are in reality. And they starting to see that. You know what I mean? And that's a, that's just like going back to what you said about the chains, the breaking, the breaking the chains that what God is doing. You know what I mean? It's a it's a season of chain breaking, and that was that's one that's example right. of it. You know what I mean? Because people out of uh, all ethnicities came out and protested against that type of stuff. You know what I mean? No matter what happens, you know, no matter what happens to anybody, what color, what race, nobody should have it like taken away. Like how does? I mean, and please answer this honestly. How? Like these events, like police brutality and racism, how do you protect your heart and and to keep you from wanting to lash out against white people? Because I mean, look, after being molested, I didn't know what the heck happened to me. I wanted to murder every guy I saw, you know. Like, and then it, 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 it's confusing when people hurt you. You look, and it's like you're seeing a, a physical outer shell and it's okay this is a so then you it's easy to categorize and go all white people are this or all gay people are this or all like it's easy to do that 
how do you, and that is all, it's poison for your heart, it's poison for your soul. How do you keep from doing that when, when it comes to racism, there's the hate behind that is, is a different kind of hate. Right. It's personal right. and ignorant, but it's personal. How do you keep, how do you guard your heart and keep you from projecting against other white people or other races or all cops? I, I got a good answer, because I'm not racist. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm God servant. You know yeah. what I mean? And, and what, you know, what uh, Pastor Monica, you know, is, is, is instilling in us is that we don't act under our feelings. You know, mm-hmm. we servants of God and we're supposed to serve God. And we, no matter how we feel about anything, that's, that's not what we should base our being on. Right. You know what I mean? Because feeling is feeling in actuality is not reality. You know what I mean? I mean, to a certain extent, how we feel is not how the world is. You know what yeah. I mean? How and and I, I don't personally feel that way, but I'm just saying. You know, as far as like, you know, sometimes sometimes people get mad. Sometimes people do this. Sometimes people say my inboxes. I get hate mail in my inbox almost every day. You know what I mean? Just for what? just just people <laughs> just put everything. You know, for for nothing. For everything and for nothing, but you know what I'm saying. But it's not because of how I feel about a certain thing shouldn't um, uh, shouldn't affect my mission or what I'm after or me serving God. You know what I mean? It might be something I don't want to do in the church, but I'm not finna let that my feelings uh, dictate what I'm gonna do. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? I'm, I'm gonna do it because I want to serve God. I don't want to serve the church, no matter what it is. If I feel like doing it, if I don't, don't. So what? It shouldn't matter. You know what I mean? That's the same way I feel about people. Because it's been people, it's it's been people out from all races that helped me out, you know what I mean, and been there for me yeah. and stuff like that. It's been people the opposite, you know what I'm saying? And and not just other races, my own race. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So it's been the opposite and it's been like this hand in hand. So that just taught me that individuality make the world go around. So people are individuals no matter what. You know what I mean? Just because somebody's uh, grandmother did this don't mean that that person's is who their grandmother is, and if they are, so what? If I if I live my life through God or through Christ and stuff like that, I want to be an example of like, hey, you know, I know you did this, but you know, I forgive you. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Or, or this like this, and I want to be an example. That's what's up. Mm-hmm. Can you talk? About yeah, that's. that's <laughs> I mean, I'm not trying to talk, it, but it's just that you know, we serving God, and and what I always think about is. The battle is not against flesh and blood. It's about it's about the principalities, the high places, right? Not only that, these are God's children too. Yeah. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So to hate them is to hate God's kids, and, and that's not what I'm gonna do. Honestly, before I came to the Life Center world, it, it's been a long road because growing up in Chicago, where I grew up at, it was secluded. There were no white people. Right. There were none. So um being raised um by black people. In the city of Chicago, you hated white people just off the strength that they were white, you know, and I grew mm-hmm. up with that. But God broke me before all this happened, and I'm so grateful. That's the Pastor Monica's my pastor. We all know she's light skinned. Light skinned. But that right there broke me. So when it happened, I was already at the place where 
you know, it's the individual person. It's yeah. not about a white thing or a black thing. You know what I mean? It's about that person. And still forgive them because they don't even know what they're doing. They don't know why they're doing it. You know, they're being used by the enemy. You know what I mean? So we just have to always be conscious of that. That's not our fight. You know what I mean? So how did you know, I agree with you 100 percent that? That's that's really powerful. How did what led you to the life center? Um, so it's really interesting. I'm short in the story. I tried to kill myself. Um to avoid a domestic abuse relationship that I was in. And um, I jumped out of the vehicle. That's how my face got all scarred up and stuff like that. It's knocked out, came back, and um, I realized that, you know, God has a calling on my life. Something, God kept me here for some reason, right? And so I was at my sister's house, and she lives in North Minneapolis. I don't even associate with the North Side at all since I've been in Minnesota since 2001. Right? I don't do the North Side. So I happened to be there because I moved out from my abuser. Uh -huh. And I was staying there with her. So I was homeless pretty much. And my daughter comes and she's like, oh, they're giving away bikes up the street, this, that, and that. I'm like, oh, this kid. <laughs> 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 so I have a little drink and I'm like, well, let's walk down there. Let's go see what's going on. And it was the Life Center. They were doing an outreach there. And when I got there, the thing that was most powerful to me is that there were people that reminded me of myself there. People weren't dressed up in suits and yelling, God this and God that in your face. You know what I mean? They were coming. They were warm. They were welcoming. They were talking to me. They didn't judge me because I know I smelled like alcohol and I was all bruised up. They, they accepted me for who I was. And I told myself at that moment, I'm going to check that church out. And I checked the church out and I've been there ever since. So. It's, I walked in the first time that Friday, like, there's something about this place. Yeah. It's different. Yeah. And then actually going to church there. Yeah. That mm -hmm. Sunday. It's lit. Oh, <laughs> there is nothing. <laughs> I, I love my church in Oklahoma and it's unique. <laughs> but the life center is like, it, it's its own species of church. <laughs> I, it is. It, it could be its own religion, even though it's not religious at all. It's like, I mean, it's unfiltered gospel Amen. to me. Yeah. Amen. And it's gritty, and you feel it, and the music is in the worship. I, who is the guy that sings on Sunday that has the Roro?
Minnesota Hope Deers. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about that. How'd this start? Uh, you know, like I said, I've been working on myself and stuff, and uh, um, you know, the, um, and it was it was uh, it was a it was a difficult road for me uh, internally. You know what I mean? And I, uh, a lot of people don't know that. You know, as far as like, I got to explain to you about the hustling part and stuff like that. In the beginning of me going to treatment, <clears throat> I had to, I was homeless. I was homeless before I went to treatment, probably for about two years. So, you know, I was in and out of people's couches and turning places and trap houses and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, just, uh, I just, when I was in the trap house, I had this divine intervention. You know what I'm saying? And that God told me that I don't belong there. You know, something else I was supposed to be doing. So I went to um, I went to my probation officer and told him I was getting out. You know, I tried to go ahead myself count down. You know why I did that? Because I could have went to jail for a long time, but I did. And um, so okay, cool. I'm glad you told me to do Rule 25. So during the Rule 25, trying to make this short. During the Rule 25, I, went, I had the Rule 25, and then I was supposed to get in treatment. I had to wait two weeks to get into treatment. Luckily, you know what I'm saying, it was a blessing that I wanted it. So I myself stopped getting high before I, I tried to prime myself into, you know, before I get treatment, I'm trying to work on myself before I get there. Yeah. You know, and, uh, and I didn't get high within those two weeks that I was waiting. And as I went there, they told me they had a bed for Now, during that process, is it during that road, I had a lot of issues with Mean people. I'm not, I'm, <laughs> it's hard to believe, but I'm like, I was like an antisocial person. You know what I'm saying? I didn't know really which direction to go. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And God pretty much pointed me in the direction that I was going. So when I made Hope Dealers, uh, you know, my, my home groups and stuff like that, and my social network, and we try to be of service to people, and people have been of service to me. When nobody was, uh, when everybody bailed out on me, you know, my sponsor was the one who helped me out, and other people helping me out. You know, and I just wanted to do the same thing for other people. So I came up with, okay, let's start a Facebook group, you know, the Hope Dealers and stuff like that. And I, you know, I, I, I went to Recovery Coach Academy and became a recovery coach. So this was my, so compiling resources and stuff like that was first what I wanted to do. Yeah. And just compile, you know, have some, have some stuff for people, you know, okay, you need housing, you go, I've been homeless too. Yeah, you know, you, you need some um, NA means or something, I compile those resources and have those available for people and stuff like that. And that's pretty much where it started as, as like service work, you know, as being a service, my way of being a service, you know, and uh, this is just a Facebook group. What is the mission of the Hope Dealers? Um, official Minnesota Hope Official Minnesota Hope <laughs> It's official. We, I went through, I had an issue. That's, this is, <laughs> it's why it's official because <laughs> I went through it like pretty much almost like a legal issue and stuff like yeah. that with, with somebody, but you know, it's neither here nor there, but um, our mission is to um, basically help help individuals that's experiencing addiction mm-hmm. and also reinforce uh, reinforce or empower people that's in recovery. So it's like a, it's like dual purpose, you know, yeah. help people, uh, welcome people into recovery, you know, make them, because, if, you know, if people, um, everybody's different. Yeah. You know what I mean? I had individuals who I tried to help, but didn't like, you know what I'm saying? Didn't feel comfortable or nothing like that. So if somebody has some place uh, to feel comfortable that they, they know they can go to, that know they really care or understand what they've been through, 
and they're more receptive to the help that you know or assistance that they can get from that person versus somebody else who just treat them like a number or whatever. Now you know what I mean? And we can assist those with the people that we work with, different treatment centers, different uh, detoxes and stuff like that, and just and you know pretty much uh, uh, have a roadmap for people to better themselves. Love it, love it. How did how did you get involved? Um. I'm just guilty by association. I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like um, on the back end of things, you know, I help out with things here and there. Um, but I just was part of the group because when he first started, he told me, hey, I'm going to start this group or whatnot. Mm-hmm. So I was just a part of the group and watched it grow on the outside looking in. And now that yeah, we're married, I um, assist with things here and there. But I'm more behind the scenes. This is his baby, you know. She do more than what she's saying. She helped me out a lot. Yeah, she helped me out a lot. She helped me out a lot. You know what I mean? With a lot of the good stuff. My helper. She likes to be behind the scenes, but honestly, I've been, she's, today I've noticed, you know, River Valley, which is how we got introduced to you guys, and um, they started the, the fast. And so with that comes these devotionals and Bible readings. And I've been seeing Jessica's post recently, and I'm like, she may have, she could be an evangelist. Hey, mm-hmm. girl. She doesn't hey. like to be on camera, but <laughs> she, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's funny. And we were sharing this off camera, but I'm now convinced why God wants us to be with yeah. a partner. Yeah. 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 Because it's been magical. Yeah. I, I mean, I didn't figure that out in my other three marriages, of course, but the, you know, this one has been a whole different experience because it was, I became a man yes. that God wanted me to be before he was going to let me have another family yes. because I had destroyed and wrecked everything else. Yes. Exactly. And it's been the most powerful thing. And so like, here I am doing all this work like you were doing and then, but it was when we came together that all of it just connected and started actually moving forward instead of like being, you know, chasing my tail. Right. <laughs> like, I'm chasing over here now, chasing over here. So, and Dr. Miles Monroe, so I'm really big, like Dr. Miles Monroe is like one of my go-tos. And the way he talks about kingdom family. Mm-hmm. And it was like, this is what I prayed about. This is, you know, praying for a relationship like my mom and stepfather had. Like, that's, I saw that. Like, I read, that, this is what I want. Right. You know, but I've got to be the man that I'm called to be to, to have that. Right. Because I wasn't. And you know what? And, and, and here's the thing. Anyone watching out there, this is, this is so true. Don't bring your baggage into someone else and into a new relationship. That's right. It, it's it like get yourself right before you go into something else and really be sure you're right. And I promise you, when you become the man or woman that you're supposed to be, God is going to bring you your person. Because there's a yeah. lot of lonely people out there. Yeah. That's what happened with me. That's exactly what happened. I didn't ever think I was going to get married, to be honest with you. You know what I mean? But like you said, I wasn't until God called me to be the person that I am. Mm-hmm. And that's when I found my love. You know what I'm saying? It, it, but other than that, before then, 
even when he was talking, I still had to, you know, it was still certain things that I had to uh, work on or, or figure out and stuff like that. But that's exactly how it happened. Yeah. You know, I was working on, and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm the only child, and uh, uh, I didn't grow up with a father either. Mm-hmm. You know, what I mean, I don't have any kids either, so it was just me. You know, for me and for me to be, you know, to put in a position to be married. That God seemed fit for that, you know, that I'm ready for that, you know, that's a blessing in itself. You know, because I was all about me, me, me. You know what I mean? Everything was about me. I'm, you know, I was because it was just me. Yeah. You know, it was just me. And, and you know, I probably um overdid it out there in the streets being me, you know what I'm saying? Or whatever. But is you know, once I stopped living for me and stopped living, you know, me and being a, a servant of God and you know, being a servant to other people and stuff like that. And that's what that's what made uh, made my insides bloom. I guess you can say. You know what I mean? And it's, you know, my heart started started melting and stuff like that because now, you know, I'm serving uh, I'm serving and helping other people, and now my heart's into it. You know what I'm saying? And that's when you know what I mean. And I think that's yeah, that does something. You know what I'm saying to to that person and and other people see it. What um so. I had a question. I'm testing the theory. Okay. This is a theory I'm not shared with anyone. <laughs> but do you, and I'll before I share the theory, do you know each other's love languages? Yes. Mm-hmm. Are they the same? No. They're different. Yes. Yeah. You just crapped on my theory. So I have, I, I believe, like I have a theory, like for me, I'm lucky. Because we share the same love language. Because me trying to learn someone else's love language is not going to happen. It's fun time. Okay, I want to know what is your love language? I'm all about acts of service. Yeah. Clean up, help me, do something. <laughs> <laughs> What's yours? Like uh, touch, love, and physical touch. I don't want to be touched after <laughs> She tries to touch my face. I'm like, I'm, just, I'm, I'm like working through that. It's a, it's a weird thing for me. Oh, me too. We're the same. You know? I'm trying to pick my socks up. <laughs> you know, it's hard being from, from just me, your bachelor, you know? That's what, that's what like light me up the most that I, I, I 
have an opportunity to grow with them, you know what I'm saying, as far as in their life and be a part of different aspects of their life and just to watch them grow, you know what I'm saying? And that's a, that's a blessing in itself, you know what I'm saying? And I, I always think about that, you know, and I, now I have to be mindful about a lot of stuff that I do or say, you know, not just not just for who I am and because I serve God, but because I have a family and kids now, you know what I'm saying, that, you know, that I want to uh, be a good role model to. How old are they? Uh, 14, 19, and 21. Don't forget Kyra. Oh, my granddaddy. <laughs> She's three. I thought you were going to say like four, five, and nine. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. They're old enough to do chores. Oh, yeah, that's our house. These two don't live in their house. We just have the, the young one and my granddaddy. Yeah, my that's, my, that's my choreo, choreographer. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, she did my dance. <laughs> I made her happy. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you want to see the movie? She wants to want you to dance. <laughs> She'll be so happy. Oh, She'll crazy. be so proud of him. Do the dance when she shows. I dance and I, I when I, I the only time I really ever dance is right before the show during the intro part. And like no one can see it. Yeah. That's the only time I really dance. But I'm dancing then. Just to distract myself. Yeah. Yeah. Like oh man. Oh, my face hurts. <laughs> so, what what has Life Center meant to you guys? Oh, my God. It's just been a whole reprogramming. I did the discipleship class. That changed my life. It um really helped me learn who I was, who God is, who Jesus is, how the Holy Spirit is. Oh, my God. The Life Center is just amazing, and it's a model of, how I want to live my life, <laughs> giving back, you know what I mean? Um, helping other people, bringing people out of darkness into light, you know? Um, before I got saved, I was all about, like I say, um, partying, drinking, just to cope with life. <laughs> so now I take that same energy that I put into doing all that stuff into the life center. Right. So I'm like always there, always serving, because I want to serve God and I want to help other people. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's been amazing. I love the life center. Like, what about you? Man, uh, life center saved my life. You know what I mean? We going out in the same uh, <clears throat> streets doing outreach to the same spots I sold drugs at. You know what I'm saying? The same people still out there. You know what I mean? For them to have an opportunity to see me, you know what I mean? Same people I did drugs with, the same people I sold to, the same people I was hanging with out there. <clears throat> now I see them. Hey, man, you know, hopefully they can see that. You know what I mean? And we pass, you know, pass out food and stuff, and you know, you know, Narcan and stuff like that out to people. And, you know, I greet them just like how, you know, just like how the lights in the did people. I came, hey, what's up, man? How you doing? You know, good to see you. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some people, you know, like twins. Some people come to church. You know, now from off the street. You know what I mean? And hopefully, I want to be that example that they see. Oh man, if he can do it, I can. If I can do it, anybody can do it. Yeah, I was built, I was programmed the streets. You know, I was built, I was born one day. You know what I mean? I didn't want to put, you know what I mean? I was the I was the streets. You know, I was the streets. You know what I'm saying? 
I was out there 25 eight. When I had a place to live and was out there hustling, whatever, people thought I was homeless because I was out there hustling. You know what I'm saying? So it so for for me to have the opportunity to be with the life center and be out there and meet people where they at and people seeing me from what I used to be and who I am now and what I'm, what I'm becoming, I should say. Um, that's a blessing in itself. And plus we do life together. You know, it's just like a family, you know, every we're not perfect, nobody's perfect. You know what I mean? But what we what we are we try, we trying to be servants of God, you know what I'm saying? And, and um, to develop uh, servant leadership skills. You know what I mean? That's what we do. That's what we did, like pretty much in discipleship also. Because yeah. I went through discipleship after her class. So I graduated uh, two, what, two months ago. Yeah, just last year, before we got married, actually. Yeah. Well, after we got married, it was like, I think it was after we got married. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I give you dates. <laughs> I well, dates date are funny for me because yeah. so much of my life is a blackout. So like, what I think yeah. was two years ago was actually six, and what, <laughs> right. what I think was six years ago was last week. Right? Yeah. So <laughs> and it's been a, it's been a um, these past since what, 2018, been pretty much you know, and I, and I haven't been like I said the, the whole deal is I made it in 2019. I got baptized in 2019, and everything else was. Just God's work, you know. Every, everything that I, everything who I am now and, and what's been established happened within the years. Time. God's acceleration of mm-hmm. He is. It's like unfathomable. Yeah. I couldn't even imagine it. Honestly, mean, like you was talking about earlier mm-hmm. when we first came here, is you know it's God. Mm-hmm. It's yes. only God, and all He needs is a willing vessel. All He right. needs you to be is just willing to do it and allow Him to lead you. Mm-hmm. And what we think. It'll take you five, ten years to do. God can do it overnight if he wants to. You know what I'm saying? That's how amazing the God is that we serve. And it's something to be excited about. You know what I mean? So I do my best to tell everybody about it. Just like, hey, you think it's too hard. Trust me. Tell me about your your podcast. It's Truth 101. I came up with it um, this year when COVID started. Um, The Holy Spirit just spoke to me. I knew that there would be people that were closed in. I don't mind as the devil's workshop. So I wanted to be able to encourage people while they were at home or, you know, while we were all locked down. And it's um, just an inspirational podcast. We go over scripture and we talk about real life stuff. So mm-hmm. kind of like you were saying, you know, people kind of block you out mm-hmm. because you're spitting the real. That's what I do. You know what I mean? I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I'm not, I'm, I share my stories and listen to other people. I would like to have you guys on sometime. That's what I do. I get other people to come on and share their stories. Because um, my whole thing in life is that God uses us for him. Even if we went through some traumatic, devastating, terrible situation, God loves us. He didn't send us through that just for the pain. He sent us through it so we have a testimony to go back and get other people. So that's what Truth 101 is about, sharing those testimonies to shed light on people who are still in the dark, you know? The truth is supernatural. Yes. It has a supernatural power to it. I gratitude unfiltered was born. Um, it was a I was on a four day meth binge, but it was actually a month long month meth binge. Mm-hmm. But this was in my fourth day, about to re up, go at it again, which I know would have ended my life because I was barely hanging on to it. And the same phone. I've been sharing this story a lot lately, but the phone's in this hand. Looking at it, cruising for sex and drugs because mm-hmm. I didn't have sex about drugs and didn't do drugs about right. sex. So I'm looking, and all of a sudden, God pops in right here. I'm feeling, and I can see it right here. And he goes, 
I'm not letting you go. Come on. I'm not done with you yet. That's right. Like, and then he said, I want you to put a spotlight on your shadow. And you're going to show people the supernatural power of truth. Mm-hmm. And this is what, how I'm going to use you. And I can go on and on and on with what he was saying to me. But he gave me the name Gratitude Unfiltered. Because I had a show called Morning Gratitude. And I built this, you know, really good audience. And things were going great. And it was like, this is fluffy. Like, this right. is not... And it was, it was relatively edgy because that's just my personality. Right. But like I was withholding 2% of the truth. Right. I was telling 98% of it, which was pretty shocking on its own. Right. But then the other parts that I was hiding, that I was keeping secret, what I later learned was actually what's my gift to the world. Yes. Right. Yes. It, it was, it's, it's what really what it was all about. And I didn't know the concept of surrendering all to God yes. and letting him use it. And part of surrendering was confessing. Yes. It was true, not just repentance with my mouth, but the behavior. And what I learned in the journey, and I talked about, I had a suicide episode. I got, I married a woman I didn't know. And, and then all of a sudden I started getting like, this is two days, three days into the marriage. This is a wild story. I won't go into everything. But the devil started planting all of these visions. I get visions anyway, like good visions. Mm -hmm. But they're always real detailed, see them like a movie. These were the same thing, but how I was going to kill myself. And the the devil was saying, I'm going to get you one way or another, mother. And I read, you might as well kill yourself now. That's how he did for two days, I was shut down in bed, like couldn't stop it, couldn't make it stop, couldn't make it stop. And all of a sudden I hear talk about it and reminding me of what the commitment that I had made. And so there were some really awful conversations. I mean, some of the things that are discussed on Gratitude Unfiltered are not pretty. Yeah. But here's the thing. If you don't share the whole truth, People are not going to feel. We've become desensitized to the words addiction. We've become desensitized to to hearing bad news, see, even seeing bad news. We have to feel it to change. And the only way to make people feel it is the truth. That's right. Because the truth has a substance to it that nothing else has. That's right. That is true. And that was exactly how I felt about it. You know, my story can help people, but only if I share 100%. Mm-hmm. Not only sharing what I'm comfortable with sharing, but even the things that make me uncomfortable. Yeah. You know what I mean? So that was the whole concept behind it. And, um, you know, I do all right, I guess. I just go on there and just speak. It's um, Truth One on One. Check it out sometimes. It's on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. But I go I stream live from Facebook. And um, it's just a humbling experience, and I'm grateful to be able to share it with people because mm-hmm. I really did it. And nobody can hear anything, but I know that God took me through the things He took me through to share those things with other people. You know, you know what I love about podcasts is that, and really just the way that media can be done now, is that it's it's kind of done in a way, or at least some people have the opportunity to do it in a way where you can go back and look at the journey. Yes. In a podcast that I had somebody listen to something I did two and a half years ago. And like it was brand new, and to, and to go back and to hear the response of it, but then to go, wow, this is what God's done in my life and all this time. That's right. It's wild. It is. 
like I don't sometimes I just get so caught up in just the moment of the day that I forget where I was. You know, because it's behind me. I don't really recognize that life. Even though I try to go in it and the people that we we collectively have a heart to reach, I it still feels like somebody else lived that life. Yeah. Is it the same way for you? Yeah, it's so real. Yeah. I don't look at the liquor stores and stuff no more like I used to. Like the streets. Like sort of like how you said, you know, when when you was in it, when I was in it, it was more darker than what I imagined, you know, what I imagined to be. Now, now it's like lighter, like a light that shined in a dark alley or something. You know what I mean? And it's not like how I, it was not like a dark Batman movie, like how I been living it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know what I mean? Now it's just like like a light been shining into it. I don't look at the streets like that no more. I don't look at people that you know that experience addiction or homelessness no more. You know what I mean? I used to sleep on the trains and stuff like that. Like, I don't even look at that stuff no more. Liquor stores, and when I used to ride past the liquor store, I'm like, man, it would be nice to have a drink. You know, back in the day when I was trying to get sober, now it's just, you know, it's like not even a second thought. You know, every, my whole perspective of life changed. Yeah. 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 You know, yeah. That's awesome. That's amazing. So what do you guys believe in God for this year? Oh, man, a lot. Um, me, I'm, I'm starting a new uh, business venture. I want to start an organization for victims of domestic abuse. So I'm believing in God to manifest that. Um, just seeing more increase with um, my current business, I'm a stylist. So I'm, I'm believing in God to provide me a location for that this year. And um, I'm just following God. Whatever he puts on my heart, whatever it is that he wants me to do, um, I just want him to continue to grow me and point me where he needs me to go. You know, whoever he needs me to stay, reach out to, I'm just believing in God to make those connections. Yeah, what about you? Uh, I'm believing in God to make a, a hope deal as a, a physical entity, you know. Uh, with the building. With the building. Make, you know, uh, trying to, you know, believe in God to uh, give me the ability to have a place where people can come and get help in person, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? Um, and believe in God just to, uh, to order myself, you know, and uh, you know, keep me obedient, you know, and uh, keep me uh, humble and, and to the ground for, for anything that he has yeah. uh, coming on me. That's so cool. I, uh, I, I really just, you know, you guys have been a blessing and you guys have welcomed, welcomed us with open arms into that church. I mean, it's into Life Center. You know, it's church is a funny place. Like even people that, you know, you when you do find a church home, you know, finding a church home is hard in itself. Right. There's a lot of people that are just showing up at church and that's not their home. Right. You know, but they've settled or like get tired of looking or whatever. But once you found a home, it's home. To find it to have two church homes is, is incredible. Right. And you know, but at the same time the church crowd as a really, I, I wouldn't, maybe I'm not Pharisee as a whole, but in my experience, I'm not welcomed in the, or I don't feel welcome in a lot of churches. But you guys have had such a huge impact on making us welcome, me welcome, um, and it's been incredible. It's meant a lot to us. I mean, I'm blessed to call you guys friends, and yeah. you know, anything that we can do with the Live Model Worldwide Foundation. To support you guys, to support the podcast, hope dealers, like we'll do anything in the world to help you. 
Yeah, uh, I love what you guys are doing. I'm so grateful that you came on today. This is very fun. And uh, thank you to everybody that's watching out there. God bless you guys. Um, and really, really appreciate your support. Um, the website is under construction. No, it's up. It's, it's up. It's ready to go. It's, 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 it's been up for a while now. So it's Hope Dealers. www.hopedealers.org. And it's Dealers with the Z. With the Z. The fun way. The fun way. You know, with the Z. Do you, let me ask you this, do you anticipate multiple locations? Hello. Or do you want one central hub downtown I Minneapolis? Um, I'm just, you know, for right now, you know, um, just one place, but, uh, you know, in the future, of course, expand. Okay. You know, expand and just you know, take it one step at a time and you get a physical place first and work on that and get that together and not work on the next step. I'm like three. I <laughs> three years ahead of my vision. I, 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 I find that when I get them, because I used to get the vision. That's why I married somebody I didn't know. I got a vision. It was actually her, but I thought it was this person that I'm talking to. Like I, I just when I got visions, I acted immediately, right. not realizing that. Hey, you got some work to do first. I know right. Yeah. <laughs> so that's like, pretty much it. Right. You know, that's pretty much uh, like where I'm at with it now. It turns into something that, you know what I mean? Um, it's, it's a blessing. It turned into something I didn't think it was going to turn into. Yeah. And, uh, you know, now I got to take the, uh, the the business around the steps and to make things happen like that. You know, I, I do have a vision as far as uh, expanding it, but I just want to, you know, uh, Take the time and, and mm -hmm. do cross my T and dot my eyes and stuff with the things that I have going on now. If we're the same. We have our our visions global, but we have a heart for community. Right? Right. So it's about establishing and rebuilding communities. Exactly. And but yeah, the first building because that's where and you know we we have we have a building that we want mm -hmm. right here and um and we're believing god for Amen. but that is where we're going to put in place everything and then duplicate right like and because it, it's what we have and like life center has been amazing for us to show us a piece of what we were wanting to do because you know it's one thing when you haven't seen it before That's right. it's up only up here but then when you actually get to see it where you can touch it and be around it then you're just like oh i can I can borrow from this. Yeah. yeah. Because this fit and life center has been able to show us a part of peace, right. a very important piece of what it is that we are doing and building. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm grateful for that. But it's the other part of our mission that I'm very passionate about is whether we are corporately aligned in a business structure or not, we want to be able to create this self-contained uh, self ecosystem where everybody is supporting each other and helping each other rise. Because right. it's not a competition. We're just, we're fighting for souls. We're fighting right. to give people hope that didn't have hope before. Right. You know, because, and here's the other thing too, you were talking about on the streets. I was going to ask you, it's still comfortable. Like the hustler in you didn't change. No. It's just now you have the heart of Jesus. Yeah. And yeah. But you're still a hustler. Yeah. Yeah. It's a switch to, uh, I just use my, I like to say use my powers for good now. Yeah, but you know, it just switched it into something else. You know what I'm saying? Is applied them skills into uh, being a servant of God. That's you know, 
It's ex- I have, yeah, I tell people all the time, I haven't changed at all. Right, right. It's it actually a little bit fun. It's actually a little fun. You know what I'm saying? It's actually, you know, on this side, it's actually a little bit more, you know, because at first it was just, I was just doing it for, you know what I'm saying, doing it for this love money. Now I got a real purpose. Now. Yeah. You know what I mean? Now I got a real purpose. I got a fire inside me, you know, for God and to serve God and stuff like that. So it's actually fun in them on this exactly. side. It is, you know what I mean? Because I'm living life and it's like a, a lot of change has been broken. Amen. You know? That's so good. I, I'm the same way. I, so I've told people, oh, I'm crazier now than I'm worse. Just I'm, me too. I'm all whack out on drugs. Right. And I did some crazy stuff. Yeah. Like, right. like, and I think, I go, I, I pursued my drag, like chasing the dragon, and all of my variety of chasing the dragons, because there was a lot. I was relentless about it. Like, I would have tried to move heaven and earth myself. To right. get to my fix of what it is that I needed, exactly. and and like now that I'm serving the Lord, it's like use all of them because yeah. like I'll go anywhere you want. Twenty five eight, you know that's why you tell people and people tell you know a lot of people told me which uh, I do appreciate they just they just uh, care for my way of being. Like, hey man, see you everywhere. You need to slow down a little bit. I was out. I explained to you that people thought I was homeless. I had a house in Birmingham, and people thought I was homeless. Oh, he ain't got nowhere to go. He's just out here with us. You know what I'm saying? He's with us. Because they see me out there 25, eight. You know what I'm saying? I'm out there on the ground. And some dude told me, he and my sober network now, we was running the streets together. He said, man, I ain't never seen you eat. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So I, if I can go hard, if I can go hard out there for that, you know what I'm saying? For those reasons, I definitely can go hard and put my own in for God. That's you know, and, uh, and being a servant. You know, and that's, that's, that's pretty much what I try to do. I love it. Sweetheart, do you have any questions you want to ask? No, I got a link on the website. It's awesome. And there's, uh, looks like that you can shop and support. I'm working on that. That's what I'm working I, on. That's on the Yeah. Yeah, so I'm trying to be, I've been working on this myself. This is like my little project. So all the website I piece together myself. You know, so I've been like tinkering with it in between school and, and work, school work and stuff. And, it's fun, isn't it? Yeah, it's just, once I get to know myself, once I figured out how to plug all that stuff together, yeah, now I can just, you know, uh, polish it up a little bit. So, yeah, it is pretty fun. I, I remember when I, I had made my commitment, I gave my, I was in LA County Jail, mm-hmm. thought I was going to be in, there for five years. And then after giving my life to the Lord, after my shouting out to God, like, why would you fix me? Why would you change me? Mm-hmm. Well, after he answered me, and I and I had this amazing Holy Spirit encounter, and like I, I swear to you, like um, ISIS could be threatening to behead me, to, and if I didn't, don't denounce Jesus. I'm like, I can't. It's like that experience I had. Come on. Right. There's no way I could deny. Right. Like even if I wanted to, and there were times that I'm like, man, it'd be easier just to go back to my life. Right. But I can't deny what happened. And I've seen so many miracles mm-hmm. over, I mean, it's been, it's almost six years now since I gave my life to the Lord. I saw, and then Facebook actually reminded me because I saw a video, I was like, oh, wow, that was right after I got off. Mm-hmm. But, um, but I made that decision, like making that decision, I think God knew I needed a supernatural experience mm-hmm. to be able to go to the places that he's called me to go. And it's got to be the same for you guys. It, it's, it, yeah, it, you explain exactly what happened with me. You know what I'm saying? Just like a lot of a lot of, of stuff that you said is similar to my life. You know, because my, my, my drug choice was meth too. 
And uh, that's pretty much what happened. Mm-hmm. I've, I've, like I crossed over somewhere <laughs> and seen something, you know what I'm saying? And seen it actually happen, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? And that was it for me. I was, okay, God, whatever you want me to do. Thank you for thank you for that visual. You know what I'm saying. Yeah. Thank you for showing me that because now I know. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying. And I was looking for something. God, just show me something beside. You know, I used to always ask God for that. You know what I'm saying. And I was like, oh, this ain't a sign. This ain't a sign. I look at a like TV or something. God, show me a sign. The sign will fall on me or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> but it was when, when I had that when I had that supernatural experience, man. That. That warm feeling that, you know what I'm saying, that that, that warm feeling I felt was, was God's love, yeah. you know what I'm saying? In the in the midst of in the midst of me feeling like I was gonna die. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And that's it, that's it. You know, that was that was it for me. You know, and I just, man, it was uh, uh my husband, well I ain't say my husband days, but me selling drugs and stuff, it was over. It was over. Yeah, I love it. Oh my gosh. Um Guys, this has been awesome. I'm so grateful for both of you. Thank you for having us. Uh, (laughs) Heavenly Father, thank you so much uh, for JP and Veronica. Thank you for all the work that you have called them to do. Lord, I just ask that you bless their ministries um, and take it to the places that you want to go. I just ask that the the resources uh, that they need, the, the partnerships, that they just come flooding in for them this year. Like, there's no more waiting, Lord. Their, their time is now. Uh, Lord, any, give us the wisdom, Jessica and I the wisdom, that anything we can do to support them, that we can do. Uh, but, Lord, we just thank you for your saving grace. You're taking our lives that were once a wreck and using it for just the coolest things, like the coolest things. And it is so much fun serving you, Lord, and we thank you. And, Lord, we just ask for healing for everyone that's watching or listening. Uh, we ask for blessings to bless this audience and for people that are struggling and don't know a way out or give them the courage just to reach out to, to JP, to Veronica, and myself, like anything that we can do that, that to be supportive of other people because they are not alone, Lord. Let, let people know that are listening right now that they are not alone. And it doesn't matter what they've done in their life. It doesn't matter if they're an abuser, a killer, a drug dealer, a, a, a junkie. Somebody that is, 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 has suffered with disease, Lord, that you have a purpose for their life. You've created them for extraordinary purposes. And a huge part of that purpose is using their pain, using that past trauma, using it for good, using it to give them a life of joy, of hope, of opportunity, of love, of friendships, of family, Lord. God, you restore what has been taken from us, and when we let the demon, the demons take our take our relationships, takes our friendships, take our kids, Lord, you 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 restore, and just give people that feeling of peace that through you, you will restore. We love you, Lord, and we we just we we are so grateful that we get to serve you in Jesus' name. God bless you guys. Thank you so much for being here. I don't know where this went, so. You guys take care. We're going to end the broadcast. We don't have editing here. We're just going to edit. <laughs> anyway, God bless you guys. Thank you. Bye-bye.